the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Wednesday the 30th. You're tuned into Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats. Since 1995, Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats have delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. From new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats can design your new kitchen or bath. Their talented designers can bring to life any concept you'd like to create. So check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com. On Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. How are we feeling? Go USA. Absolutely. Have either of you seen that episode of Drake and Josh with Papa Nichols? What? No. You, you know the one? Okay, it's the one where they're babysitting Papa Nichols, and he goes, USA, USA. That's the first thing I thought of. The memes all lot have been hilarious, but I am so ecstatic that USA soccer is back. This is like the one time out of every four years, everyone gets like 1980s patriotic, and I absolutely love it. It's just it's just feral patriotism. Shout out to Reaganomics. I love it so much. I'm really happy the USA won, and now they'll be moving on to the knockout stage. It'll be this Saturday, I think, is when we'll be the game against the Netherlands, correct? It will. It'll be at 10 a.m. And uh, Rona can attest to, I was watching it downstairs in the old cave, um, and it goes into stoppage time. Of course, the World Cup stoppage time has been crazy. Yeah, nine it's like 40 minutes. minutes yeah. Nine minutes. And two minutes into stoppage time, I get a call from uh, the top of the steps. Hey, Luke, can you carry these boxes back to the shed? Mm-hmm. I had to really quickly get it on the phone, put it on top of the boxes, run it out to the shed, get it back down. Oh, man, it was a stressful, stressful time to be a United States soccer fan. But like I said, hopefully everybody found that match entertaining uh, because I certainly did. Yeah, no, that was a that was a fun one. That goal was pretty fun, too. Uh, oh, I'm sure my, my neighbors probably thought man. I was crazy with jumping around, screaming and yelling, and the dog was not too happy with it either. He started barking at me. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a big one, especially for uh, soccer here in the U.S. If they lose that and they are out, then soccer set back at 30 years, I think, around here because Pulisic, uh, he's the one with the driving force, and hopefully – He's okay because my goodness, he took a, uh, a tough, a tough kick to a tough area. Uh, yes, they really call it a pelvic contusion. I think officially, yeah, we're all aware of what, yeah. what, what was at stake when he went into yeah. the goal there. But he said he's going to play. He was at the hotel dancing around when the team came back. So I felt so bad he couldn't celebrate that goal. <laughs> that, oh. is, that is an American hero. He sacrificed. He sacrificed his plums to be an American hero, and that is fantastic That's right. to see. That's Lo- right. Love it. That's America right there. Well, they move on, and uh, we'll have to figure out somewhere to go watch uh, the game Saturday morning before exactly. we head over there to uh, head over to the ball game. I know there's a couple places in Indiana where we can maybe check out. I want to see. But anyways, uh, let's talk a little football. Let's talk EPAC. Uh, well, let's talk EPAC basketball, right? Yes. Yes. Let's talk a little Sorry, EPAC I put it, basketball. I put it the wrong yeah. thing in the rundown. <laughs> yeah, uh, because that's well, swing, coming back into action, especially with Super Six uh, kind of officially ending football this weekend. Um, so, what are we looking at uh, in terms of basketball? No Spring Mills. There's some whispers that they got a pretty good ball club this year. No Martinsburg, of course, is always pretty strong. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is going to be a more competitive season for EPAC basketball on the boys' side, and we'll get to the girls' side a little bit later on. Uh, I just haven't been able to familiarize myself with those teams quite yet. Uh, where I came into this season with the expectation that it was a two-horse race at the top. And I thought that it was going to be Jefferson. Obviously, they were the number two seed last year. They lose two starters off that team, but the majority of that talent is back. Uh, starting with Jamari Jenkins, who's probably going to be the best player in the panhandle. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, that they're going to be not only the best team in the EPAC, and I think that's pretty close to non-negotiable, but one of the best teams in the state. And we can talk about Morgantown High here in just a second because there was a really interesting WVU football-related scrimmage that happened yesterday uh, involving the Mohegans, who are probably going to be the number one team in the state and repeat as champions uh, if nobody gets in their way. Uh, but Jefferson locked in at number one. And then there's some disparity into who people think the second-best team in the panhandle is going to be. Now, in my mind, it's Spring Mills. And remember, of course, how much we love Max Anderson's aggression on the football field. He's a key part of that basketball team, along with Mo Cheek. Uh, if you guys haven't seen him play yet, he is just the most interesting basketball player to watch. He's kind like of a, be all over the place. He's a physical guard. He kind of, He's got a little bit of Westbrook in him. And he's got the strangest jump shot. And I'm sure it's been fixed in the offseason. I don't want what's to pile it, on the guy. I say, what's it look like? He jumps into people to get contact. Oh, and it's, Curry changed everything, he did, dude. He did. He changed everything. But he was a freshman phenom. The only reason that Spring Mills didn't make it to the state tournament last year is because they ran into a buzzsaw of a Musselman team uh, that had the Panhandle's top player last year, uh, although Musselman lost a lot of their talent. So in my opinion, I think Spring Mills is the best, the second-best team. But a lot of people are starting to give a lot of credit early uh, to Kelly Church and what's going on at Hedgesville. Um, you think about Delaware and Burke, some of the players that they have on that team. Uh, Bolduck, I think is how you say his name. Again, I apologize in the pronunciations. I, I just moved here, guys. I'll, I'll know him by the time we start playing the games. But Hedgesville's deep. Uh, and a lot of people think that they could be the second best team in the panhandle. And then you've got Rodgers in the Martinsburg factory. They've got some really good players as well. Blackwood's probably going to be their best player uh, from top to bottom. I think that the Bulldogs have a chance, maybe not necessarily to make the state tournament, but play spoiler. Uh, and I really like Derek Basile over at Musselman. I got to see them a couple of times last year when I was still in Morgantown. And while they lost a lot of talent, they're still very well coached. And I know Washington's on the rise. They were a team that had a lot of early basketball success when that program started. So you're looking at six teams that aren't going to be pushovers. I think you've got three real candidates to see who the top teams are going to be with Jefferson, Spring Mills, and Hedgesville. You can put them in just about any order, although I think Jefferson is the best of the three. But then you've got two really well-coached programs behind them, and Washington, who, again, I just don't know that much about, but nothing has shown to me that the Patriots are going to be a pushover, just the same way we saw it in football. Even though the Patriots didn't have a great record, they were still very well-coached, and they were still a very tough team to play. So I, I expect it to be kind of a mirror image in football. Obviously, four teams can't make the playoffs like football. Only two get to come from this area, uh, but I, I think it's going to be a really entertaining season. Well, let us know what you're uh, hearing and seeing out and about as we come into basketball season. You can text us, 304-263-4321, 304-263-4321. Who's going to be the goat or the uh, team to beat here around the EPAC? And, uh, well, it always does seem to be the 
the schools in the bigger towns like Martinsburg, Jefferson, things like that. But, uh, you know, you get into those, uh, what is it? Every time when I was uh, growing up, it was always kind of those country teams that always had the good uh, basketball teams. And I would consider Hedgesville in that uh, subcategory of things. From what I understand, Hedgesville's, when they get that place rocking, it's a really fun place to play. Because obviously the old rivalry, the big rivalry is the Martinsburg-Hedgesville game. And my dad got the call one a couple of years ago, and he said and it gets rocking in there. So if Hedgesville has a chance to be better than Martinsburg this year and they've got a chance to make the postseason, uh, I'd expect. And, of course, our coverage of high school basketball will continue this year. Similar to football, uh, we'll rotate around, try to have a couple of games on each week, make sure that every team does their due diligence, and boys and girls. But, again, well, I just haven't gotten to the girls' side of things yet. We'll get to that in the coming days. It's going to be really fun and really entertaining. Yep, going to be all kinds of basketball happening, and uh, like Luke said, we'll put all that information out here in the coming days about that, but uh, still got to get through football season. Of course, we got <laughs> Shepard yep. uh, coming up here on Saturday, going back to IUP. We've got the Ernie McCook Show going to be uh, tomorrow on Thursday around 95.9. The Big Dog, and what were you talking about this uh, West Virginia scrimmage, a basketball scrimmage? Yeah, so this is a really interesting story uh, that had a lot of WVU football fans interested. So Laurel Highlands is a school in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and Rodney Gallagher uh, is a four-star wide receiver slash quarterback slash athlete commit that's coming to WVU to play football. But uh, because of it, and uh, Dave Tallman has done this in the past, he brought Oscar Sheboy and his team out of, uh, I think it was Pittsburgh, to Morgantown to scrimmage just so Morgantown people could get a look at Oscar Sheboy at the time. They bring Rodney Gallagher and Laurel Highlands in for a scrimmage. Morgantown won. Laurel Highlands went 27-1 and last year. Ooh, so that's wow. any any indication as to how good Morgantown's going to be. But Rodney Gallagher, who plays basketball as well as football, uh, averaged, I believe, 18 points a game last year, scored 21 points in this game against Morgantown High. So Morgantown High was the best team on the floor. Rodney Gallagher was the best player on the floor. And he's somebody that he's going to play wide receiver here. He had to play quarterback for Laurel Highlands because the team wasn't any good. And he threw for 1,200 yards and rushed for 600 yards. So uh, it, it looks as though he just had a visit to Penn State. People were afraid that he might flip his commitment, but he assured everybody that he's still coming to WVU. So uh, hopefully there are people in my Morgantown brethren were making him feel welcome, uh, making him still want to continue to come play football. And I would not say no for him pulling a Cam Dorner and walking onto the basketball team because it sounds like he's a very good basketball player too. Hey, Parker, listen to this bet here that hit during the uh, soccer game yesterday. All right. So uh, parlay, four-leg parlay, they had the correct score at one nothing. They had a uh, corner spread with my, the USA at minus two, uh, USA halftime result, and then Christian Pulisic first goal scorer. $900 was the uh, wager, $911, but $900. Total payout, $174,000. Not a bad bet. I, I, think, I think whoever placed that bet has a crystal ball somewhere. I'm telling you, man. I didn't know you could bet corner spreads. I, that you can bet all of it. You can See, bet, I you feel bad. That no would have been the lock of the day because corner, corner spread, spread, if it would have been five, yeah. I would have taken it. Oh, yeah. There yeah, there's so many different bets for soccer. It makes no sense to me. My buddies, old, they send all their spreads and things every day. They're like, oh, bet this, bet this. I'm like, I can't even tell where that is on the list. <laughs> like, I know what you're saying. What I can this? read it, but I can't, you know, put it into uh, put it into practice. But we'll step aside here for a few minutes, come back and keep uh, things going here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Your 2022 West Virginia Broadcasters Association News Talk Sports Station of the Year. Going to keep it. He's looking for Walker. Walker at the goal line. Touchdown! Rams! B-Walk with his second of the day on a three-yard pitch and catch for Tyson Bajan, and the Rams extend their lead. Hi, this is Brian Walker. You're listening to Panhandle Sports live on the Panhandle News Network. 
Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com. On Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warners, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And they released the college football playoff rankings, fellas. And uh, what are we thinking about those? Any surprises? Any upsets? Anything you think is wrong with the uh, rankings? Well, I'll say this. I'm very happy that USC got ranked fourth because I feel like that was the correct decision to make after USC got the win. And, of course, Ohio State lost to Michigan. I think if you if USC beats Utah in the Pac-12 championship, I think at that point you can't deny USC getting in, being the only one lost team into the playoff. Ohio State lost their game. They're not playing in a conference championship game. That's going to hurt them. And I think Ohio State is just going to be out at this point. If you're Ohio State, if you're a Buckeyes fan, you're really rooting for either USC or TCU to lose. Mainly, you're really losing. You're really hoping for USC to lose because I think TCU is going to have to lose big for them to get booted out of the top four. And it's realistic. Kansas State could beat TCU this weekend. I'm not going to put that out of the picture at all. But I think it's going to be a really competitive game. I just think right now the top four is probably what we're going to be locked into. Alabama snuck up to six. They're up ten and two right now. They jumped Tennessee. Man, people are not happy about that. Well, if this turns out to some pipe to like um, it's like a long term pipeline to get Alabama into the fourth slot, it's going to be very interesting. But yeah, I, I think they got it right for the most part. I think Alabama being at six, you could dispute that with Tennessee. But I think at the same time, a lot of people are ruling like, well, Tennessee is not going to be the Tennessee they were because Hendon Hooker's out for the season. So. Overall, I think the top four is correct. Georgia by far is the best team in the nation. I think it's going to be very hard for anyone to beat Georgia and take the national championship away from them. Michigan at two is well-deserved after their dominance over Ohio State. TCU at three, again, is well-deserved. They're one of the few undefeated teams left in FBS. And then USC coming at number four, I think, is the correct move. So what do you say about all the people saying that Tennessee should be ahead of uh, Alabama? I think there's justification for that. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, though, what it comes down to me is uh, TCU and uh, USC. TCU, we already talked about the Big 12 shouldn't have a championship game because if they didn't have a championship game, TCU would be in the playoff right now, and that would be it. But as far as uh, USC is concerned, they're playing Utah, who beat them earlier in the year by a point. Either of those two teams dropped their championship game, which are both relatively likely because Kansas State's a good team. Uh, it's hard to beat the same team twice, and although I just said that on the flip side of things for Utah beating USC, and then you've got Ohio State, who doesn't have a game this week, so they're not going to drop a game. They will absolutely lap whichever of those two losers in the championship game. And then Ohio mm -hmm. State, in my mind, becomes the fourth team. Now, I, the only reason that you would be upset about the Tennessee-Alabama thing is if both TCU and USC lose, mm -hmm. because then you'd have a prime spot for Ohio State and Alabama both to sneak into the back end of the playoff. And then you would be upset that it wasn't Tennessee. But I don't see both of them losing. I just see one of them, in which case Ohio State would get back to the playoff, which I think would suck. But that's that's really where where it comes down to me. I mean, Georgia and Michigan are, are the only two teams right now that deserve beyond anything to oh, get yeah. into the playoffs. TCU right behind, of course, if they're an undefeated Power Five conference champion, which hopefully they will be for the sake of the Big Twelve. Um, and then USC. I mean, it's just it's going to be a bloodbath. I understand that people mm -hmm. say that with Williams, USC's got the best player in college football. So is that alone enough to beat Georgia? I don't think so. <laughs> Georgia just seems like the complete, like perfect yeah. team. Yeah, I mean, them against it comes down to what if they get the best punch possible from Michigan, that'll be a very good national championship game. If they don't, it'll just be dominance for Georgia again. 
Uh, so the I guess in that sense, the back end of the playoff doesn't matter. Uh, but, I mean, again, it comes down to if TCU loses, the Big 12 is just foolish for having a championship game right now. Uh, and if USC loses, it's just a shame because it means one of, if not both, of Ohio State and Alabama would get back into the playoffs after Ohio State couldn't handle their business and got embarrassed against Michigan. And Alabama, this is probably the worst Nick Saban coach team of the last eight years, mm-hmm. So, yeah. th- th- which would be a shame. Yeah, I think, yeah. Again, as you alluded to, I think this is the worst Alabama team that the one that was in I think the Capital One Bowl. Yeah, right, you're at, right, at you're about right, a decade ago right. when they had Trent Richardson. I think it's about at that level. And funny enough, looking at TCU a decade ago, the exact opposite thing was going on right now. There was a no Big Twelve championship game, and that's what kept TCU out on Ohio State. And this year, there's a Big Twelve championship game. If TCU were to drop that game, that could drop them out and put Alabama put Ohio State in which is funny enough. Top 10 was released as well. Kansas State's coming in at 10th. You've got Clemson at 9 after a loss against South Carolina. Penn State at 8. Tennessee coming in at 7. Alabama at 6. Ohio State at 5. Some other notables in there. The uh, Beavs go Oregon State. that got in at number 15 over the big one over Oregon. you got LSU that will be in the SEC title game against Georgia at number 14. Florida State at 13. Utah's coming at number 11. Tulane at number 18 has been kind of the darling this year. South Carolina with a really big jump, up to number 19 from the two big wins they had. And I think that's really about the big ones. Notre Dame at 21, Texas at 20. Very, uh, I feel like there's been a lot of kind of parity in college football this year. A lot of teams just going back and forth. Competitiveness, I think, is the right word I wanted to search for. A lot of competitiveness going on. and Because, again, we alluded to before, there's a small chance West Virginia gets into a bowl game because there's not enough bowl-eligible teams this season. It'd be the most ridiculous end of the season. As many Could as you seven, if not, seven to nine, uh, five and seven teams will be needed to fill in the bowl mm. games, which there's too many bowl games. Yeah, at, the, at this point, there's t- how many are there? Like 60-plus? Who knows? I th- I think we could probably say. have a bowl if we wanted one. At this exactly. rate, we probably could. I think Jimmy Fallon has a bowl game, if I'm right. <laughs> the WPM Bowl? <laughs> Hey, there we go. It's a, the Panhandle Sports Live Bowl. Let's get the let's get the fun together. Which is a good uh, promotion of all the bowl games that we will have WBPM and WCST. Thanks to the good folks over at uh, Game Day Radio, uh, we'll be able to have a, a decent amount of college football bowls. And I did want to say really quickly because we do want to keep receipts on the show and hold ourselves accountable. You can go back to a lot of us talking about the Big Twelve and me saying I like TCU, I like Sonny Dykes, but it's going to take him a couple of years to get going. <laughs> it well, did not take him long. Did we not take shocked. him long to be undefeated. Yeah, it was that was really shocking. That was a, a fantastic effort from TCU to really rebuild that program. It kind of got faltered altogether at, towards the end of Gary Patterson's era. They cut ties with a coach that's synonymous with that university. He, when you think TCU, you think Ladanian Tomlinson and Gary Patterson. Those are those two that are associated with that school. You cut ties with Patterson, you bring in Sonny Dykes, and you landed a hop uh, a helicopter in the middle of your football field to introduce him like a Bond villain. Crazy. And, and, well, he's been the uh, villain of the Big 12. He's <laughs> ran the table. So, all credit to that one. What a, what a hire for TCU. That's a, That program looks to be back on the course. And some of the biggest things I took away from this college football season, I know we still got a little bit of the season left coming in, but some of the biggest takeaways, I'm really happy Florida State's good again because they were just in the doldrums for like five to six years. They were awful. They're ranked in the top 15 for the first time, I think, since, what, 2017 maybe, 2016? It's good to see the Knowles back, and it's good to see the, the Knowles good. The Francois era, remember him? Everybody thought he was going to be the future of De- football. What was his? Is it DeAndre Francois? I don't even remember what his first name was. Gosh, I barely. You just unlocked a memory right there. <laughs> I totally forgot about him. Oh my gosh, yeah. 
That they're really good to see Florida State do good. UNC, I, I talked a little about this beforehand, a little bit off the show. I think UNC is going to be a hot pot for the transfer portal this year because of Drake May. I expect the Tar Heels to really compete for the ACC next year. I think Texas is going to be solid. Texas has a uh, their backup quarterback under the transfer portal as well, so he's going to be looking for a Power Five school to go to. And keep your name Isn't out. Arch going to Texas. Yeah, mm-hmm. Arch yeah. is going to Texas too. So that'll really that'll be interesting to see what happens there if Quinn Ewers is going to be entering the draft or Quinn Ewers looks to transfer maybe after next year because we all know very well that Arch Manning is going to be lined up to start if not this next year but the year after because projected really that good. I mean, I saw some. I mean, I think the highlights that everybody's kind of seen. He's not like, is play he as that a good? I don't think so. Yeah. But. There's no way he can be he that He needs a year good. in a program. Get a little yeah. bit bigger, a little bit stronger. Viewers, like you said, cards out the door. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. No, well, I, I I, mean, I'd love if he came to WVU, but no. I, it'd be a great he's, story. But he's, he's not, he's not, he's not life-changing just yet. He doesn't even no. look like, he doesn't look that big. No, no, not, no, as, not, big. not as big as his dad or his uh, uncles. Oh, well, guess he's, we'll find out. He's no Eli Manning. He, nobody's an Eli Manning, that's for sure. <laughs> But we'll uh, step aside for a few minutes, come back and keep things rolling on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Hey, it's Ronnie Brown. It's going to be a handoff to Ronnie Brown. He's got a hole through the middle. It's a step front to the 10, the 5, touchdown, Ram. And you listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchen to Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchen2bath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Nice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Uh, and I wanted to talk a little bit of college basketball, but before that, uh, we were talking about the uh, projected bowls that are uh, being released. And any uh, interesting ones? West Virginia, didn't hear you talk about them at all in any of the bowl matchups. No, West Virginia was not in any of these projections, and I'm pulling these off of CBSSports.com if you want to take a look at these yourself. But some of the notable ones that we saw were pretty cool. Uh, Luke told us he has an uh, opportunity to go up to Detroit for the Quick Lane Bowl. And that's projected to be Connecticut and Eastern Michigan, that one. And well, that's uh Thank goodness. Thank of, goodness Dad's I, dragging me there. We're, so we're gonna have to leave Christmas Day and drive to Detroit because Dad said he he got that one because he offered not to fly to it. Uh so we get to drive to Detroit that night and then back the next day <sighs> after the game. All of that for the Huskies. All of that for Yukon. All that for Yukon and Eastern Michigan. Well, I, I wish a better draw will come for you than UConn and Eastern Michigan, but we'll have to see whenever that comes out. Some of the other big ones that I liked included uh, Baylor-Arkansas, I think it's a sleeper one that's projected for the Liberty Bowl. I think one's good. Maryland-Oklahoma is projected for the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. That would be December the 27th. Kansas and BYU, I think, could be a fun game, that too. That would be the first responder bowl. As Future well. Big 12 opponents. Hey, oh, that is a good point. I didn't know that was when we were looking into it. That is a good point to make. Uh, Pittsburgh, Wisconsin in the Pinstripe Bowl. You've got North Carolina, Texas Tech. That could be a really fun one. North Carolina, Texas Tech in the Cheez-It Bowl. Alamo Bowl projected to be Texas and Utah. Florida State, Minnesota, the Dukes Mayo Bowl, where uh, hopefully they'll be dumping the big jar of mayo on somebody again this year. The Sun Bowl will be Louisville and Oregon State. That's one I really like. And then some of the bigger ones we have, the New York Six Bowls. The Rose Bowl projected to be Ohio State and Washington. The Cotton Bowl, Penn State. And the group of five teams selected in would be Tulane to play Penn State in the Cotton Bowl. Alabama, Kansas State and projecting the Sugar Bowl. Clemson, Tennessee projecting the Orange Bowl. I'm sure they may have did that one on uh, purpose for two Orange teams to play in the Orange Bowl. But And, of course, your uh, 
semifinals for your college football playoff will be the Fiesta and the Peach Bowl this year. Of course, the New Year's Six Bowls rotate which one will be the college football semifinals. This year, the Fiesta Bowl projected Michigan, TCU, Peach Bowl projection, Georgia, and USC. Hmm. Just uh, scroll through Twitter here, and I see that uh, apparently there's free admission for IUP students at the game this weekend. They're going to need it. Yeah, They're going to need it. Makes sense. Free admission. I'm surprised they can uh, kind of get away with that. What's with the, the NCAA? NCAA? That is yeah. a good point. Yeah. That is a very good point. Hmm. I have to uh, maybe send an email. <laughs> <laughs> well, forward that over. It's yeah, CC at, at NCAA. You see this? <laughs> close the gates. Close, close the gates, gates up to the students. Uh, but let's talk a little college basketball, fellas. Uh, the Turpies, they win. And I didn't, I guess, realize this until just a few minutes ago. I didn't realize Louisville was 0-7 Louisville's to start bad. So they, and they got off to a bad start against uh, non-Power 5 teams by losing these one-possession or single-shot games. And everyone was like, oh, well, they just can't close out games. They'll figure it out. No, they yeah, suck. That seven times in a row is not ideal. They they are not good. Uh, Syracuse, 3-4, and four, like all these kind of blue bloods, if you will. Off the rough starts, it seems. Kentucky yes. almost lost last night, too, to a really bad unranked opponent, I'm pretty Bellamine, sure. Bellamine? Yeah. Bellarmine? Bellarmine's a good team. Yeah, they're going to be in the NCAA tournament team. Yeah, it was tied at the half with Kentucky, and I mean, it's it's Bellamine. We can give them credit there. They're well, they're two and six on the year looking at it right now. But Kentucky, it's Kentucky. They have arguably the best player in the nation, and Oscar Schwebe. And it's I, I don't know. It's weird. It's it's always a weird start. I think in college basketball mm-hmm. in the first month or so, you're trying to feel your teams out, which ones are legit, which ones are not. Virginia had a really good game last night. Virginia's ranked number three in the nation. They ended up beating Michigan seventy to sixty eight in that one. Some of the other big ones, man. Well, uh, Houston looks like they're going to be world beaters this year. They dominate Norfolk State, almost beat them by 50 in that one. Dude, I was impressed by Michigan last night. I thought Michigan, Michigan did look looked good. really good. They look solid. The fighting Jawan Howards is uh, yeah, absolutely good to call them out there. They uh, they look pretty good. And you were right about Syracuse. I mean, Beheim just needs to hang it up. He's like, done. He's, yeah. just, it's he's over. just wasting everybody's time at yeah, this point. He's but just a meme now. Going back to the initial point about Maryland, though, I mean, they could score. This is a team mm. that's in the top 40 in the country defensively and points allowed and points for four different players averaging double figures, led by Dante Scott. You've got Jameer Young, Julian Reese, Akeem Hart, uh, all different guys that can fill it up from different levels. You've got shooting. Uh, I think they're leading through. Yeah, it's uh, that Donald Carey guy who averages five attempts a game, uh, who's averaging just under nine points a game coming off the bench. You know, they're a tough team to match up with. They're not incredibly deep. Uh, They really only play a seven or an eight-man rotation, depending on what you're looking at. But, you know, in terms of the Big Ten, which I think is going to be really wide open, because you had said before Mm -hmm. we came on the show, they're playing Illinois this week, who, in my opinion, is the best team in the Big Ten. So it would be a really interesting start to the season uh, for undefeated Maryland, who, who look fantastic. And the Big Ten's got a lot of depth to it as well, too. you got Illinois, who's ranked number 16. Maryland's 22nd. Ohio State got found their way into the top 25, sneaking in at 25th. And then Purdue seemed to be the big team this year. It's came out and really established themselves. Purdue's a top five team there right now. There was 19 spots. They went from 24 to 5. That is an insane rise Pretty good jump. Yeah, well, because they beat Duke, Gonzaga, and West Virginia in the span of five days. That'll do it. That'll do it. And, and uh, the Mountaineers aren't that mad that that's their one loss this year because it's to a top five Oh, that's team. that's a great... They don't play Maryland this year. Didn't they play Maryland last... Who? West Virginia. Did I don't think recently? they did. Uh, not in the last couple Marshall. of years. I think they played Marshall. Maybe. Uh, they should add them back to the schedule, though. Yeah, that would be If they're, they're going to be good, a regional game, you know, like, we're just kind of wasting our time playing Pitt because Pitt's not any good. Yeah. You know, let's play Maryland. <laughs> let's, let's play the better regional the team. Back. Yeah, they got a pretty tough run of it here in the next handful of games. Like I said, Illinois is their next game. They're 16. Uh, Tennessee, 13. It's Tennessee-UCLA mm. back-to-back. Um, at home, though, draw. which is nice. Uh, both at home. And that Tennessee game's on FS1. Nice. There you Love go. Uh, but then, I guess kind of 
nobody until Ohio State comes to town. But that is a pretty tough schedule. And, uh, you know, I was basketball was the last sport I wanted uh, to leave the ACC because there was nothing cooler than a West Virginia North Carolina game or West Virginia, or uh, West Virginia, Maryland North Carolina, yeah. Maryland Duke games. Those old ACC games were awesome. But it does seem like it has helped uh, the program, even though that uh, Big Ten move was a. Uh, football move for sure. Uh, it certainly seemed to have helped the basketball team start to grow here uh, recently. Yeah, I think so. I, I was just, uh, I was probably until college when I realized how important those Duke Maryland games used to be Heck back yeah. in the day mm-hmm. and that Heck rivalry yeah. and how much fun that was. Um, but I, Maryland's, like you said, it's, it's better off for it from a football standpoint. And, you know, the ACC is becoming a really top heavy league in basketball. A lot of people mm. like to argue mm. that the Big Ten is the best league in college basketball. In my opinion, it never will not be the Big 12. Just because of how deep, no, there's only 10 teams in the league, which helps how deep it is from top to bottom, Mm -hmm. where the worst team in the Big 12 is a mid-table team in just about every other Mm -hmm. conference in college Mm -hmm. basketball. But, you know, the Big 10, that's the thing about last year. You thought about, you know, Johnny Davis in Wisconsin and um, I just completed EJ Liddell from Ohio State. Uh, the Belleville West graduate is somebody or all these teams just beat the dog out of each other when they got into their conference tournament and then they limped into the NCAA tournament because they had just beaten each other to death. I mean, that's uh, Big Ten basketball is a physical style of basketball. It's a competitive style of basketball. And for Maryland to go into conference play, that's the key thing. You know, when a lot of these teams, you think about these games at the beginning of the year, they get away from you. And it's, oh, we dropped that non-conference game to a mid-major or whatever. Maryland going in 7-0 and are going to be better off for it. Because if they have a 500 record in conference play, they're still getting into mm-hmm. the NCAA tournament. And it, I think, too, really the top two conferences, I think it's undisputed right now, it's between the Big 12 and the Big 10. Both these teams are fantastic in these conferences, if you will. Looking at the top 25 poll, Texas, number two team in the nation out of the Big 12. Purdue, number five out of the Big 10. Baylor, number six out of the Big 12, although they just lost and they'll be going down the rankings. Kansas at number nine out of the Big 12. Indiana, number 10 out of the Big 10. You keep going down the list. You've got Illinois, number 16, who we alluded to. You've got Michigan State at 20. You've got Maryland at 22. Iowa State at 23. Ohio State, 25. And then you go to the receiving votes part. TCU is the top vote. TCU, Iowa, and West Virginia, three out of the top four receiving vote getters, all within those two conferences. Texas Tech's in there as well. Wisconsin. I feel like this is really where the depth of the NCAA tournament is going to be this year. It's going to be a lot of Big 12, a lot of Big 10. And a lot of those teams have been playing excellent basketball right now. Look out for uh, the Longhorns. I think they look fantastic right now. They got Creighton coming up, and they're playing. They're playing good. Texas has looks really good, but I just don't know right now if anybody's going to knock Houston off their perch. Houston looks fantastic. A lot right better now. than Baylor. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned that game. Not only did they lose the market, they lost by twenty six. I got embarrassed. And the problem with Baylor this year is the problem that everybody highlighted coming into the season, and that's what their front court's going to be. Because they start Flo Thamba and Jalen Bridges, who, of course, the Fairmont native from West Virginia who just transferred there. And Thamba was a cool role player, but he played 22 minutes in that game and had three rebounds. If you're not impacting the game on the glass, you're not impacting the game at all. And Jalen Bridges is not playing well. He can't create his own shot. That was the thing about him going to play for Scott Drew. First of all, he said he was leaving West Virginia because he didn't want to play power forward anymore. And lo and behold, he's playing power forward at Baylor. But I thought Scott Drew would turn him into a player that could create his own shot, and he's just not been able to do that. But with all that being said, this is still, in my opinion, the best backcourt in college basketball with L.J. Cryer, Adam Flagler, and uh, Keonta George, who's probably going to be a lottery pick. The freshman is going to be one of the best freshmen in the country, the second-best freshman in the Big 12 behind Grady Dick over at Kansas. 
Uh, but those three were phenomenal. It's just the rest of the roster. They've got nothing from their forwards. They've got nothing off the bench. They have another Fairmont connection. And Dale Bonner, who played Division II basketball at Fairmont State for years, he was a non-factor in this game. And on the other side of things, uh, you got a really good game from Oliver Maxson's Prosper, who's one of the better mid-major players in the country with 24 points in that game. And Marquette and Shaka Smart are doing some really good things, giving him time. Uh, but Baylor needs to figure out who's rebounding for that team and who of their forwards can score. How come those guys aren't playing in Morgantown? How come Jalen Bridges and Dale Bonner are playing mm-hmm. in Morgantown? The Bonner one just took everybody by surprise. The Bridges thing is he just he he was here for a few years and Huggins he didn't like that Huggins is playing him at power forward. He didn't like getting yelled at in practice. He <laughs> you know and then he just decided to go somewhere else. And people may remember that Sam Vecini of The Athletic is one of the best NBA mock draft reporters in all of college basketball, had coming into this season Jalen Bridges as a top 40 player in the NBA draft uh, in his big board as somebody that would have a chance of playing his way back into the first round. Well, since he's gotten off to a horrible start of this year, he's fallen off his big board. He's now like the 110th best player in college basketball, and he shouldn't even be that high. So, you know, it's he's the one that got away. Uh, he's somebody that I really enjoyed watching play at Fairmont State. Not Fairmont State, Fairmont Senior. Uh, but his career, he just hasn't gotten any better. Yeah, well, and it, looking into it, too, I mean, you, it's hard to win a game when you give away 19 turnovers yeah, if you're yeah, Baylor. Yeah, and going, and they played a good second half, though. They played Marquette even. They got outscored at halftime, the score 51-25. to 25. That is that is ridiculous for the number 6 team in the nation. That should not be a scenario where you have that in there. and. I don't know if you should hit the panic button if you're rooting for Baylor. You're looking for that for a boost in the Big 12. I don't know if you hit the panic button on them yet because Marquette is a good team. Let, let's not discount Marquette. They came in, had a great game. Prosper scored 24 for them. Jones scored 20. And Joplin off the bench scored 19. But it's it's a little concerning that, number one, Bridges hasn't been able to put it together. And number two, your team gives away 20 turnovers when you're – the number six team of the nation, and you are a team that's contending for a national championship every year. That's that's the expectation for Scott Drew and his team. A little bit of a concern. Not time to hit the panic button yet, if you ask me. Well, it's always uh, interesting when basketball season comes around. You never know, especially with college basketball. It seems like teams are number one for 30 seconds, and then somebody upsets somebody, and the next thing you know, there's a whole new top 25 out there. But we'll step aside one final time. We'll come back get Parker's picks and wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Hi, this is Brian Walker. Looking for Walker. Touchdown, Rams. Brian Walker catches the record-breaking touchdown pass as he finds his quarterback. You listen to Panhandle Sports Live on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at MountaineerKitchensandBath.com. On Facebook, you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. And Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. Oh, may she fly in Liberty. The USA won, and that means lock of the day for Parker goes to 2-0 on this week. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling going into the midweek. Uh, two for three overall on yesterday. Split the bonus picks. We had Maryland covering the spread against Louisville, but Baylor absolutely laid a goose egg against Marquette. There's no other good way to describe that one. But the bad thing is, off the air, I decided to add in another one into my bet slip for yesterday and that was Illinois and the 12 and a half spread against Syracuse and then ended up covering so 
well, you you just got to take what you get sometimes. And two out of three, I'll take that for how up and down November has been for Parker's picks. But, you know, today is the last day of November, which means we have to close out with a three for three. And that is the goal I'm going to give for you today. My lock of the day. We were talking college basketball. Let's talk about probably the biggest rookie in the NBA right now. Let's talk about Paolo Banquero. He's going over 20 and a half points tonight against the Atlanta Hawks because the Hawks are terrible at defending bigs. Their last few matchups, Bam Adebayo had a bunch of points when they played Miami, and they've just been giving a lot of points up to bigs. I've got Paolo Bancaro going over 20 and a half points today as my lock of the day. I've also got De'Aaron Fox of the Sacramento Kings to score over 24 points. He's had a bad couple games. I think De'Aaron gets it back against the Indiana Pacers. It's a very winnable game for the Kings. And I think that Fox will score 24 points in a win for Sacramento. And lastly, Jordan, I told you this this morning. You're not going to be happy with Parker's picks this morning because I have the Bucs beating the Knicks tonight in my other bonus pick. But lock of the day, Paolo Bancaro, over 20 and a half total points. So you got the Knicks losing tonight? I do have the Knicks After losing. After a 30-point win last night? <laughs> it was the Pistons, Jordan. 30 points is 30 points, man. 100, scoring 140 points is still a lot. It's still a lot, but it's the Pistons. This is the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> this is this is this is you're playing the best player in the league that takes time on the sidelines, ch- checking into the game, playing with a toy dinosaur, and then proceeds to put up forty twelve and eight. It's whatever, man. It's you know if if the Knicks win, I will gladly be wrong in that one because you'll be happy with the hey, they've win. Been, they played well against good teams this last month. They have they have played really well. I just don't think they beat the Bucks. And it's tonight. in the Garden, right? Well, if it's in the garden, I'd take the box. <laughs> yeah, it is in the garden. That's kind of why I was thinking, well, Giannis isn't going to lay a goose yeah. egg in the garden. No. And the Knicks are holding on to that, that final play-in spot right now. I think they're 10. The Wizards are 7. Segue into the question, though, because the best record in the Eastern Conference, of course, is held by Joe Missoula and those very same Boston Man, the Celtics. Goat, Boston. The goat. Boston's been unbelievable. Bucks are second. Uh, Parker, do you have a team that you think that's going to knock the Celtics off the pedestal? Because they are rolling right now. Well, I mean, I'm biased as a Celtics fan myself, so I'm going to say no. But I think if you look into it, surprisingly, a little bit of a shocker here. I mean, it's still early in the NBA season. It's hard to really gauge who's going to be moving, who's going to be going to where. I think right now, I mean, you got to say Milwaukee's a team because if they piece it together, they're going to be hard to beat just with Giannis, with Chris Middleton. If he's on his game, he's arguably the best number two on an NBA team. You've got guys like Drew Holiday, who's an excellent defender. You've got Cleveland as well. I think Cleveland has a really nice young core. And I did say Cleveland was probably going to be a top four team in the Eastern Conference when it, the playoffs came. Donovan Mitchell, if he keeps piecing it together, Darius Garland, I think that arguably is the best backcourt in the NBA right now of two young guys. You've got guys like Jared Allen, Evan Mobley on the Cleveland Cavaliers that look really good. The Pacers are kind of shockingly 12-8. and eight. I'm very shocked to see they're ranked number four right now in the East. I don't know if they hang on to that one. The they're, si- about, they're still going to trade Miles Turner at some mm-hmm. point. I think so. so. I think it's it's the right move. It in. Yeah. But, I mean, I did, real quick, I didn't mean to derail. No, no, no. You're we gonna... need to talk about the season that Tyrese Halliburton's having. Yeah, he's been fantastic. He is putting up numbers that – the same numbers that won Steve Nash an MVP. And he's <laughs> the best playmaker in the NBA right now. And he's somebody that half of the NBA passed over not to take in the first round because he was a double-digit pick. Was begging – begging the Wizards to take him. <laughs> they let him pass him by. And funny enough, tonight he <laughs> is playing would. against the team that traded him mm-hmm. in the Sacramento Kings. So that is going to be uh, interesting to go over. I almost went Tyrese in my Parker's picks, actually. It came, really cl- it came down to him and De'Aaron. 
I just think De'Aaron's going to have a good game tonight. He's due for a good one. And but. I still think, I think I said it earlier in the year that uh, Matherin's going to be the rookie of the year. He's my pick. I understand Powell's playing very well, but I'm still sticking. It's, the fact that the, the Pacers have Halliburton and Mather. I mean, again, I think they're going to trade Turner for assets and, you know, mm-hmm. kick the back half of this season, but their core, it's going to be a lot of fun. Because I think, you know, this is right before I started to get really into the NBA, so you guys would be able to attest to it, how much fun um, the Lance Stevenson, I shouldn't have led with him, I should have led with Paul George, uh, <laughs> yeah, Pacers teams uh, against LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals. That, those were some fun years when Indiana basketball was good. So mm-hmm. I think it would be fun for the NBA to see the Pacers compete again. Looking ahead here, on uh, Friday, January the 13th, the old uh, New York Knicks are coming to D.C. to play the Wizards. We should go. Field 7 trip. o'clock game Friday. You guys want to go? Sounds like a field yeah, trip to yeah, me. We could do a Friday. Take a Friday off. There you go. A little field trip. There you go. There's check out the check out the city a little bit. Let Rui Hachimura just hang a forty piece on the on the, on the Knicks. Maybe well well be just like every time I've gone to a Knicks game in DC, I'm like one of ten Knicks fans. There. <laughs> the one Knicks fan in the crowd. <laughs> I'm all the way up in the nosebleeds trying to scream and yell, and everybody's like, "Dude, stop!" <laughs> and I'm like, "All right, whatever, <laughs> whatever." Although I did end up running into one of my oldest friends uh, randomly at a Knicks Wizards game in DC, and. Me and this guy have done a lot of things, and I've never seen him that banged up in public before. And he comes, he somehow got his way into a suite, and he said he didn't know anybody in the suite. He just was in there partying with him in the suite, and then he ended up subsequently getting kicked out once he left the suite because they, people saw how crazy he was getting. But yeah, we don't have to do that. I have to circle down the calendar. Hmm. It's a fun place to watch basketball games. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does look pretty cool. I've never been into the Verizon Center, but it does seem like a it does seem like pretty fun. It's a fun place to watch a hockey game. It's I'll definitely yeah, tell you that. Games. That's a fun game. And the Caps they win out of nowhere. It seems last night, and uh, didn't Ovechkin break a record? I yes, it was he did. away games. For I think he broke Gretzky's away games. I thought he broke a record. Well, Marsha told me he, he. She was like, "Didn't Ovechkin do something cool last night?" <laughs> I was like, "Great cool question." Well, that's a that's a that's a common <laughs> thing. He's always doing something cool. Uh, I'm not a Caps fan until the playoffs. The crazy year, uh, most NHL road goals uh, was the record that he broke last night. So thanks to uh, sports reporter Marsh Cavall. Yeah. He's almost to uh, 800 total. Yeah, I mean, what a career he's had, man. And doing it in one place, which it's you don't so see a lot anymore. Too. Yeah. You know, Hasn't really been injured. You talk about mm-hmm. Gretzky's office, you got Ovechkin's office, which for me is right atop the face-off circle where he's just oh, yeah. able to pepper shots. Just in. waiting for it, just stick oh, down, dude. ready for a, pa- a it, one-timer. He's something else. Uh, the crazy NHL game, though, yesterday, though, where Seattle Kraken, for the first time in their organization's history, won six games in a row. They beat the Kings in overtime. Nine to eight was the final score Man. of that game. So, Dang. like, 1970s Not a whole hockey. lot of defense there. I was going to say, Seattle's just not interested in defending the net at that point. But they got the win. And like I said, for the first time in their history, they won six games in a row. So, good for good for the Kraken. Hmm. Hey, did you say you like these Saint, uh, the St. Louis Blues uh, the reverse retros, yeah, I like them a lot. They're, I think they look, they're, I'm looking at them here. I think they look pretty neat. They're bold, yeah. So that the the the, the story behind those, you see the kind of the little mm-hmm. sharp blue note. That was a concept for their first ever jersey that they never ended up using. Obviously, it's supposed to be blue on gold, not the gold on blue, because right. it's a very loud gold. It's a lot of gold. It's a lot of, it's gold. A lot of gold. But I mean, I I think it's a pretty cool jersey. The caps ones are sick, dude. Those throwback caps jerseys are so cool. Remember, I had one. My first ever uh, hockey jersey was an Ole Kolzig jersey, um, and it was the classic um, red, white, and blue with the stripes, and it had the the caps across the the middle or whatever. Do you have a hockey thing. team? Who would, who would your hockey team be? I'd Don't say, say the Bruins. I say probably the Penguins. Okay, Penguins. <laughs> I'd rather you say the Bruins. Yeah. I would not. Yeah, well, PJ I'm, Stock. You Brad Marchand is a criminal. Yeah, I used to watch PJ Stock fight videos. Exactly <laughs> when I was a little kid. 
hockey fight videos were so much fun. You know, this explains a lot about you now, Jordan. I guess. <laughs> I guess so. But I used to watch the crap out of them. The crap out of them. Well, we got a few minutes here, fellas. Well, about a minute. Well, a minute. Exactly. About a minute. So uh, any final thoughts? Anything you want the people to know about? Glad we got to some hockey talk onto the air. Uh, the United yeah. States will play the Netherlands this Saturday. We'll talk a little bit more about it probably in days to come. A favorable matchup for the U.S. Let's keep this thing going. Ernie McCook show tomorrow night, 95.9 The Big Dog. Make sure to check it out. You're going to come on out I was going to say, you want to come to this one finally? Yeah. <sighs> I'll be there. I might be the move. It's that a might big be one, man. Don't say might be. We need a commitment. You know, it's a big one. I'll... I'll lock it in. I'm going. Let's go. Oh, I'm going. Oh. You got me. Man, we got a lot of time for him to waffle off that, Luke. <laughs> a lot of time for that. Well, yeah, that's going to be at 730 uh, tomorrow. Don't know who the uh, guests will be. We'll have that information for you, hopefully, tomorrow. Sometimes Coach will just be like, yeah, I'll text you at some point. And I'm like, hey. Surprise guest. You know, I still got to prep for this stuff, Coach. So, appreciate it. But he did do that. Tune in Shane Lyons. Shane Lyons. Yeah, could you imagine? Could you imagine? <laughs> hey, I'd ask the hard-hitting questions. I would definitely. I'd get a soundbite out of him. Oh, that does it for us today. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. For Luke and Parker, I'm Jordan. Panhandle Live is next. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. What took you so long? I thought you'd never call. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.